This is the Magellan Journal, a podcast series here to help you navigate through EU opportunities. We remove the noise around current EU issues on different topics, such as transport and environment, each time through the perspective of a different expert. In this episode, we speak to Pedro Paradas, who is Chief Strategy Officer at Armis ITS and President of the Intelligent Transport Systems Portugal. We speak to Pedro about smart cities, the state of ITS in Portugal, and the role of ITS in the green transition. Hello, good morning, Pedro, and thank you for joining us in this podcast. To begin with, could you please briefly present yourself and your organization? Yes, good morning, and thank you so much for the opportunity and uh, the invitation. I'm, as a background, I am a civil engineer, so I have this engineer mind. I like solving uh, problems and I like to use tools to solve problems. I think that's uh, kind of my first nature. I started my uh, career uh, by designing roads and uh, urban planning. And eventually along the way, I found out ITS and what great tools can come out of ITS when applied to uh, digitalization, to transport and to mobility. And I was uh, immediately hooked since then, since 2010, more or less. Indeed. And can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your current organization, Armis ITS? What is it about and what do you do there exactly? So Armis ITS is a, a Portuguese um, company uh, devoted to intelligent transport systems. It's based in Porto. Uh, lovely city of Porto. I've moved myself to, uh, to Porto since ni- 2019, but I've known Armies since uh, my early days in IT. Armies is a company that's combining uh, traffic engineer competencies with uh, a, a long track record of IT knowledge and development of projects in that regard. <clears throat> and I think this combination between these two competencies, the traffic management and also IT applied or digitalization applied to traffic management makes Armies a, a real, a really interesting company to, uh, to be in. It's a very young and fresh company. I would say a self-motivated. We are organized in, in three departments in Armies. We, we follow the main political trends, the European trends and uh, the policy objectives that the European Commission is pushing forward. And we do some uh, consultancy around those topics, how to green mobility, how to digitize mobility, how to bring ITS into the landscape for traffic managers, road operators, public transport operators to really take advantage of the potential of uh, digitization to address their challenges. So we do a little bit of consultancy on architecture of systems, integrating systems. We do, of course, we develop a lot of projects for this this kind of, of stakeholders. Our main focus is on traffic management for highly performant road operations. So we devote most of our time to traffic control centers we are operating half of the, the motorways here in Portugal on a 24-7 basis, trying to make traffic smoother, safer, and more effective on our roads. And while we're doing this, we're always having in consideration European standards, European objectives, and the setting up of this digital infrastructure to really harvest the potential of digitalization of transport and mobility. So based on that very hardcore competencies of traffic control centers, we then try to spill over from those traffic control centers to others, such as we're approaching also the the smart cities concept. We're approaching public transport operators. We're approaching new mobility services as well in terms of taking advantage of the data that is generated and how we can make 
better use of it to support policies around the development in our cities, in European cities. And we're also looking ahead at cooperative and automated mobility, and we're investing very, very hard on cooperative systems. So how to link the, the infrastructure to the vehicle and how mm-hmm. to be able to create this intelligent infrastructure that is able to directly communicate and interact with the vehicles in order to make traffic efficiency even even better in the future. Also taking into account this automation aspect and the potential of solving uh, problems uh, that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And indeed, as uh, you previously worked in the European Commission, more specifically in DG for road safety. So CITS is really, let's say, your expertise You're also president of the International Transport Systems in Portugal. You explain now uh, a little bit uh, what you do in in ARMIS ITS, but can you also tell us what is currently the state of the art of ITS in Portugal and where does Portugal find itself on the European map when it comes to ITS? Yes, absolutely. I I see, and and this is not new, I see a lot of competencies in, in companies, Portuguese companies, really bringing forward some innovative and creative uh, approaches to ITS. There's a lot of skills coming from our universities and re- research centers. And, and I would say that in terms of you know either consuming or putting forward solutions and projects and products, there's, there's a lot of potential for, for, for the type of profiles that are coming out from universities and the kind of profiles that are being built up in terms of startups and, and even companies devoted to the topics of ITS in Portugal. So my role as, as ITS Portugal's president since June last year is really to uh, try and approach this, this community to bring them together, not only the, the companies, the organizations, but also the research centers, the innovative um, with the decision makers and, and policy makers to work around the topics on how Portugal can really contribute to the ongoing dialogues at European level with our European partners. I think both in armies and in the, in, in the European Commission, something that has been uh, a common denominator is this approach for cooperation in between the different member states. And this, I think, can also be applied locally at the, at the Portuguese intelligent transport ecosystem in order to better enhance the, all the potential and the capabilities that I believe are, are here. I know for sure are here, and I know that for a fact. So my role is kind of to be the glue to build the, the network within the, um, these organizations to find the right narratives for bringing them together, for enhancing this cooperation in, with them. So that in terms of European landscape, we may position Portugal as a, a contributor to the ongoing discussions. I'm sure that with all that we can offer, we will be well received at the European level. I wouldn't say that at European level, we are uh, front runners, definitely not, but we can really bring forward some contributions to the front runners in ITS in Europe and really be have the ambition to be or to become a really contributing partner to those discussions, bringing forward creative approaches, bringing forward effective solutions, and, and really making a difference. That's, uh, that's what my, my objective and goal is there with, with this new role that I'm, I'm now acting. Mm-hmm. And as you said, ITS is a highly advanced and innovative field of transport. And you also mentioned that cooperation, for example, between member states is key. 
how can ideas become part of the norm in our cities and on our roads? And is the transition to smart cities moving fast, in your opinion, or not? And if not, what is what is lacking behind? Well, I don't know if it's moving fast enough. I don't, I don't think so. When we look at decarbonization, uh, the, chal the challenges are, I'm sure of one thing, we will not get to where we want to be without digitalization and without the tools that ITS is providing, that's for sure. There's a lot to, to do in terms of working with, with the individual because ITS is, has the ability to offer them choices, choices on mobility options, but the choice has to be also an individual choice to move greener, to be you know more conscious about the way we are moving, how we are consuming energy, what are the, the most convenient, comfortable, but also more sustainable options of moving. And of course, walking and, and cycling are on the basis of that, of that discussion, but also public transport and how we can complement the offer of public transport in our cities in a smarter, smarter more effective way. So in that regard, I think we have to still, as a community, to discuss how we can really have an impact on these individual choices. How can we make ITS not, you know, a more friendly, user-friendly topic, not as techy or advanced or nerdy as it sometimes is is uh, is known to to be, but on a, on a more, you know, user-friendly approach or on a more daily use approach. How we can, without knowing we're using ITS, take advantage of what ITS is really offering us to make to make those uh, those better choices, to make those uh, more smarter use of, of the mobility options that we have, how can we segment our uh, demand for, for transport and, and, and match that, match that with, 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 the, with the, what the city is, is actually putting forward in terms of options for you to get there from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say we have some challenges to, to look for in the upcoming couple of years, and we have to streamline our language and our approach in, in a much more understandable way for the common citizen to really apprehend what ideas can really deliver for him and, and what the impact of those choices can be for the future of the city or the future of the the country and uh, hopefully for the future of our planet with the targets in 2050 as uh, as we all know are very demanding and and coming very very fast mm -hmm. yeah i agree with what you said that sometimes indeed its can sound very tacky to a regular citizen and sometimes they might be afraid of what the technology can bring and just like with many innovations smart cities they're also uh, receiving some reactions from citizens. For example, 5G, there are many protests now against 5G technologies due to its health implications. What is your opinion on this? You know, this, this last Sunday, we were celebrating, I think, uh, everywhere, the International Day of Biodiversity. Uh, and I was invited to speak in a rural area here close to the interior of, of our country where, you know, this angle of infrastructure and smart infrastructure can really be perceived not as a threat, but really as an enabler for development in, in many, many ways, not only economic development, but also human development and, uh, and how important it is to have or to rely on our infrastructures to really take advantage of making use of, you know, the, the cultural values, the heritage, the, the cultural heritage that is there 
uh, a little bit uh, forgotten, not mm-hmm. uh, with, with huge potential for, for learning, for growing, for even for business to develop. And, and we were discussing exactly a few years ago, they had no roads to, to get there. And now they have highways, so it's very easy to get there in uh, in a couple of hours, and and for you know a regular person to really have an experience on on sharing those cultural values values that the, the heritage, you know the gastronomy, the landscape, all of the values that are really two hours away from from where we are, mm-hmm. and uh, the opportunities that leveraged make me feel that this perception of the impact of 5G is a little bit misunderstood as it was as the building of motorways a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I think 5G and um, cellular networks have a very important role to play, you know, making sure that we don't have two-speed citizens, the ones that are being offered with high-performance services and others that are, you know, in blank mm-hmm. areas without any coverage and really being segregated from social inclusion or, or any kind of interaction. So I would, I would pretty much more favor the benefits of an important infrastructure such, such as a cellular coverage, whether that, that, that's 3G, 4G, or 5G, mm-hmm. depending on, on the type of services that you would like to, to enable. The coverage uh, needs to be there in order for us to have you know, equality, equity of opportunities, either in the major cities or in the, in the villages and in, in rural areas. We've seen through COVID that, you know, resilience of work also comes with teleworking. And uh, I don't think this would have been possible to, to really show resilience without this infrastructure resilience. Uh, the roads and the telecommunications that were key for uh, making sure that throughout these two years, we would strive as a community and came, came out uh, stronger and, and even uh, more adapted to, to these challenges. So yeah, my, my outlook would be a much more optimistic and favorable in, in that regard and, and not focused as much as on, on the downsizes, whether they are there or not. Things mm-hmm. will, I'm sure that there, there will be things that will need to have to be seen carefully, but, but also with an open mind. Mm-hmm. Indeed, I agree. And you mentioned before the targets for 2050, European Green Deal, Fit for 55, the green transition. What, what is the role of ITS in the green transition, in your opinion? For me, it's detrimental. I don't think there's a green transition without digitalization. And in, in that regard, digitalization of transports. Transport is one of, it's, it's a heavy contributor for, for the, the carbon footprint. And really, we have to be smarter, clever, wiser on, on how we approach mobility. And in order to be that digitalization and what we can harvest from the digital transport infrastructure really needs to also growth. I think economic growth, room for the companies, for the organizations to cooperate both with the public and private sector to cooperate around these targets is key. So employment and innovation need to come hand in hand for, for us to be able to reach the targets without really destroying what we've built up over the many, many years that our civilizations took for, for reaching the point of maturity that we are in now. And if we don't want to, to go back there, we really have to take these challenges seriously, but also effectively. And, and the best way to do this is really to take advantage of all the data that is there available in that regard really use our intelligence and also artificial intelligence and all the algorithms that are there 
to really focus on the on the impacts, on the benefits that we want to extract from data. We really have to look into the, the interoperability challenges to make sure that as European Commission is putting forward, we ensure interoperability and, and continuity of services across the different member states. And when I say this is also in between, within the member states, between the, the urban and the rural areas. So um, also taking into account the motto, uh, leaving no one behind, I think we need to also take into account this, this trend for the smart cities to, to spill over to the villages. So the smart villages will have mm-hmm. to be there also in the, in the landscape for equity of opportunities for inclusion, you know, taking into account the, the age aspects, the elderly population, but also the needs for the young kids to move and we have to do to, to do this intelligently. Of course, we, we may have to change some habits we, we have and as we did throughout COVID and some of the things that I, I think make me hopeful that we are able to, to cope with the challenges is this approach that even in, in lockdown situations, mobility played a role, the logistic chains really show their value. They kept on running and kept on feeding the population and kept on supporting employment and services through a very long period, uncertain period. And although we had to adapt ourselves to a new environment, there were things that were really good in that aspect. I think the teleworking is one. So we don't have now this this dependence to work five days a week at the office. We can choose hybrid approaches and hopefully that will downsize our carbon footprint. But also we are uh, now buying more and more via the internet and the delivery of goods is now also a a part of our lives. So if we combine these two together, again, being conscious about the footprint that you're developing, if you're wise enough on, on your options and you really take care of this and ITS can really help you understanding what are the choices, what are the best choices in that regard. I think these two already are good signs, good indicators that we uh, can build on top of for making sure that we reach the, um, the very ambitious goals we have in front of us. And obviously, without digitalization, without all this intelligence behind it, without this availability of data, without the infrastructure, we would be in a much more you know, fragile position that I don't think we are, especially because what I said earlier on how we, we cope and, and, and strive with, with the challenges from COVID. Indeed, that was very well put together. That was my last question, actually, and we're running out of time. So I would like to thank you for this interview and this interesting conversation. And uh, thank you once again for your time. Thank you so much. It was a really pleasure. And thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you. Bye. If you like this podcast and want to know more about Magellan, check out our website at www.magellan-association.org.